Disclaimer, the voices and opinions from this podcast do not represent the teams, organizations, the host, or our very special guests work for. And now, it is time for the Mascot Support Group Podcast with your hosts, Joseph, Urban, and Trolley. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to still the furriest and fuzziest show on the web. This is the Mascot Support Group Podcast. I am one of your hosts, the Dr. Of Fuzzonomics, Joseph. And I'm from the Lone Star State, Texas. And joining me, of course, are my hosts from sunny, shiny Florida, the mascot dude, Charlie Verno. And of course, we got from North Carolina, Irvin. So we're very glad to have you guys on for tonight. And joining us is our special guest, Michael Hart. Say what's up. What's up, everybody? I see everybody here. How y'all doing? All right, all right. So we're very glad to have you guys on this rebooted, rebranded Mascot Support Group podcast. We're very excited to be back after about a couple weeks off and ready to bring you some of the best content in the mascot community. But of course, before we start, we always got to thank our friends at Raise Energy, always keeping us energized. You can get their products under their energy and focus, pre-workout, build muscle, weight loss, protein and food, and recovering hydration categories. Raise Energy drink really made an impression when it kicked off its monthly limited edition series, where it drops an entirely new and limited time flavor each month. That is something we've seen brands do in the pre-workout era, although not energy drinks. And not only has Raise been consistent, but this past month, it took things up a notch and dropped two limited flavors. The beverage brand also made sure each of these products isn't just any traditional taste. It's kept them fun, exciting, and interesting with the likes of Rainbow, Mystery Flavor, and the all-out sour effort Frankensour. The other area Ray's has made its impact is with the spinoffs of the signature energy drink, including a pre-workout powder version of Ray's and the functional high-protein baking mixes and Ray's flapjacks and Ray's cakes. Now, if you want to get this product right to your door, you're going to use the promo code MASCOTS, and you're going to get 10% off of your order of Raise Energy right to your door. Keeping us energized at the Mascot Support Group Podcast. Now, on with the show. So, we're very glad to have you guys out here for this first episode of the Mascot Support Group Podcast. How are you guys feeling, and what do you guys want to talk about in the words of Cody Rhodes? So... Um, just a friendly reminder. I know you said ten percent off on the way on on a discount. It's fifteen percent, so five hundred extra okay. um um percentage on that. So, and of course, like always, I have one of these every day for Zumba class, and they're very good. So that's my little plug for for, for them. But there's a lot going on in the mascot community, and there's been. And one person that's been a part of that is, of course, Michael Hawk. Sorry to give that one way off, guys. No problem. What's happening? And he has done so much in his career. And we want to um, start it off in how you began, began mascotting. What got you into it? How did you get the how did you get bit by the mascot bug? Oh, that's a long time ago, it seems like. I gotta go back into the memory box. So it was 1999. I was still in college. I was a senior in college at the time. And uh, 
I grew up in Philadelphia area, so I was going to college right outside Philadelphia. And I saw that there was an advertisement for the Philadelphia Phantoms to get a mascot. And they were the AHL team for the Flyers, the Flyers minor league team. And they played in the same city, same parking lot pretty much. And uh, the team was been around. The team was around for about two or three years before then, but they didn't have a full-time mascot. Um, they basically were just using somebody to th- throw in an intern during the games or whatever. They didn't take it too serious at the time. And I saw that there was tryouts. So I went to tryouts. And tryouts were basically, you know, putting on a pair of skates, going out there, putting on the head, and performing. And so there was like 53 people that tried out. So tryouts took like about four or five hours. And I remember at the end of tryouts, they kept like the top 10, top five people. And I was still around. And they told us at the end of the day, they said, listen, we're only going to make three phone calls at the end of today or three phone calls tomorrow, I think it was. And if you're not one of three phone calls, I'm sorry, but thanks for coming out. So the next day came around before cell phones then. And I was just sitting, I was in a college house with a bunch of my fraternity brothers and just sitting around waiting to be up by the phone, by the phone, by the phone. And finally a phone call came. And unfortunately the, the guy on the other end said, this is one of the hardest phone calls we've got to make, but you came in third place. So you're our backup to the backup. And if we ever need you, we want you to know, you know, you're, you're here. And I was disappointed, but you know, I took it like green. So I said, okay, thank you very much. Huge Flyers fan, huge Philadelphia fan growing up, all the teams. So in, in my eyes, it was still like, you know, I made it a little bit. So hung up the phone, was a little upset, went out that day with my friends, you know, drank to my sorrows, all that stuff. Um, the next day, the phone call, the phone rang, and it was the Trenton Titans. And the Trenton Titans at the time were a brand new ECHL team. And the ECHL was a step below the AHL, but they were the Flyers and the Phantoms, like minor, minor league team. And they were only in Trenton, and Trenton was only another half hour from Philadelphia. So that phone call came about with, listen, we got your name from the Phantoms. The Phantoms told us, you know, you might be interested in this position. Come on down and try it out. So I went and I skated for the GM and the president of the team. And by the time I got off the ice, they said, the job's yours if you want it. Great. So that's how I got started in professional mascot. That was it. So I came off the ice. It was 1999. It was my first year. It was minor league hockey at the best of it. I mean, I had so many different responsibilities and just being a mascot, I was putting the dashboards up and I was part of all the promotion team and cleaning up the arena at the end of the night. I mean, you do it all in minor leagues. You guys know how it is, um, but it was great. I loved it. And 1999, 2000, 2001, and then 2002, that fan position came back up and they still never hired anybody. So they had that first guy, but they only kept him as a performer for games. He barely even did any appearances. So they still never hired anybody full-time. That position was still kind of in limbo at the time. And I went up to the Phantoms in 2002 and took my position from the Titans, which was a full-time position. I was a full-time mascot with a bunch of other responsibilities, like I said, in the office. But then I became the Phantoms' first full-time mascot. And I did like 400 appearances a year on on certain years. I stayed super busy. That's pretty much how I got started. When I was with the Trenton Titans, um. I went to one of the, the, the Titans affiliate or Titans, like the Titans were the hockey team. The baseball team in the town was called the Trenton Thunder. And uh, I went to the Trenton Thunder, great mentor there, still friends with the guy who, who's, who does Boomer. Um, great, great guy, great friend. Um, he invited me to one of his mascot games, Boomer's games. And I didn't know much about this stuff at the time. Look, I was brand new. I was a rookie. I was green. I was knew nothing about the mascot in the world, really. I knew who the fanatic was. I knew who certain performers were. But I didn't know the business too well. And uh, the mascot game, there's all these different characters there. And there's different, you know, Hearst potato chips and this company and that company and this brand. And I was kind of awestruck in a while. Wow, all these different performers. And when the game was over, a bunch of us sat around, you know, had a couple pops together. And 
one of the guys asked me if I was interested in doing some other stuff. And he happened to be a great friend for many, many years. He, um, he owned a company that had his hands in everything. He was mascots for all the different Philadelphia teams and different businesses. And I started working with him a lot. And that's how I really got to kind of hone my skills as being one day I might be a bumblebee, the next day I might be a bird, the next day I might be a bear. Like I was in so many different costumes over them three or four years that it really, really helped me mature and learn the business a lot. That's how I got started. Wow. Well, you know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of us um, can hone to how important and how amazing that brotherhood is with the minor league mascots. You know, um, you know, I know everybody, you know, aims or, you know, dreams to be in the major leagues, but for me, there's just something special and this homegrown feeling about being a minor league mascot. Um, uh, like my, my character, you know, uh, being his primary performer uh, and getting to grow relationships, not only with the other mascots, but also um, with the team itself. Um, and that's definitely something I want to touch on throughout the majority of the podcast is for us mascots, how important it is for us to build relationships within the organization. Uh, I built relationships uh, with my front office, you know, the general manager, the president. Uh, I built relationships with the players, with the coaches, with the dancers, with the cheerleaders, with, um, you know, even the fans, you know, even the, the arena managers, the field managers, the, the statistics managers, the broadcasters, everybody, you know, they contribute so much to our careers as mascots and getting that response and that big roar from a crowd. It's an adrenaline rush that is irreplaceable for a mascot. And it means a lot to us. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, my guys here, you know, can touch on that. Um, but um, what would you guys say is the most important part about being a mascot for you? Okay, you guys want to go first? Um, I would always say it did show a, a putting smiles on people's faces. Because it's just like almost like music. Music is a universal language. It's like it's a universal language. I feel mascots, costume characters are almost the same thing because no matter where you go, if it's a sporting event, a theme park, a birthday party, a corporate restaurant, you see that character and what happens. But those are not scared. You smile. You're smiling. Because let's say where I am, I would say, like, I love going to theme parks. I love taking pictures with the characters. Telly Monster gives the best hugs. Of, of, I don't know, like, I've seen so many mascots, but Telly Monster gives the best hugs when it comes to theme parks. So, of course, I see him, I smile. So, I have to give a love to those guys over there. Michael, you have anything? You want to touch on it, Urban? Oh, um, so I, I agree with Charlie. Um, also, meeting um, meeting uh, a lot of people in the community of mascotting and uh, meeting new friends, you know. You never know where, where it takes you, you know. 
I agree with everything you guys said. Um, when Joseph was talking, he was saying, you know, the, the janitors, everybody, like, when you do this full time, when you have a job that you're the team mascot and in, in, in a city, any city or any small town, if you are out there and you get known by the public and you get known by the media and you get known by the fans, you become somebody. Like, I used to always say, like, no matter how bad of a day I was having or how great of a day I was having, when I had an appearance, and still to this day, I love having appearances because no matter what's going on in my world and, and things can be hectic and things can be crazy. When I actually put that head on and I might be getting changed and I might be joking around with everybody and, and be, be my heart. But once I'm dressed and I have the head up here and once that head comes down here, I become somebody else. And for me, that's like therapy. It's, it's for me, it's like going to a therapist. It's like sitting on a couch for an hour because I am no longer in my heart and none of them problems in the world or any of them other things that, you know, in the world that you think about, I don't think about them. I become either the barbarian bear or flex or whoever I am being at the day. And like Charlie said, and like everybody else says, and anybody who's ever been in a costume and whoever experienced it, it's a high that you can't explain when you get a little kid who may be timid, he may be scared, but you know, you have them, you know, you have them when you get that eye contact and you can tell right away. If, if I get on this kid's level and the best thing to do is get down on your knee, get down to their level and put your arms out and let them know you're, you know, you're welcoming. And, and the best is when, what, what I get a kick out sometimes is when the parents, you have some of them parents who are not ready to let go just yet. And they're holding on to their kids a little much like, no, he doesn't, he's scared. And you can tell that he's not. And you're like, come on over. And then you get that little hug or you get that interaction. Or you get that one picture and the parents like, wow, that was the first time he's ever, well, open up to somebody like you, like, and, and they walk by and they kind of give you a little like thumbs up and look, I play Santa Claus too. And Santa Claus is a very, very rewarding job because that is, you have that age group between like maybe four and five or five and six, depending on the, you know, maturity of the kids, sometimes three years, but there's every year you have that age group where the, the moms are saying that now he's not going to come up for a picture. And all of a sudden you see, you know, the little ones come over to you and, and smile and not cry. And it's, it's the best feeling it's as performers, like Charlie said, that's what we want to do. We, we create memories every time we put on a costume. One thing I always try telling people, and I mentor some people up in this area, and not as much as I would like to. I like to get back into doing it a little bit more. But the one thing I always, always tell people, I tell people a lot of different things, but the one thing to remember is there's always somebody watching you for the first time. For the first time. Especially if you're performing in an arena or in a stadium or, or at a big community event with a couple hundred or thousand people around there is somebody's eyes watching you for the first time. And, and you want to make sure they go home, whether they're five years old or 55 years old, you want to make sure they go home and have a good experience about watching you. You don't want to. So even when you're like at the end of the day and it could be a two hour appearance and we've all been in costume for too long at certain times when, you know, you think you're doing a half hour and all of a sudden that half hour becomes an hour and you just need a break. You need to get out of the costume. We've all been there where all you want to do is just get to the back of the stage or, you know, a stairwell and rip off the head and get some air. But you got to remember that, there's somebody probably watching you even take them last few steps. So just, I, you know, I, I always try to put that in, in, in the young guys' heads that just always, always be on your top. And then sometimes we, we're not there. We all know that. Sometimes you're, you can't always be 100%, but always keep that in your mind that somebody's always watching you. Somebody's always watching. I completely agree. And, you know, you talking about, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, interacting with fans who are a little more timid uh, than others. Um, you know, during my time uh, as a mascot, you know, I am somebody uh, who is on the spectrum, uh, the autism spectrum. Um, I'm high functioning, so lower on the spectrum. 
Um, but I know exactly what that's like uh, to be in their shoes. I used to be somebody that was terrified of mascots. Like I wanted nothing to do with them. You know, big crowds just wasn't my thing. Um, and then finally, when I had my first um, mascot job in the corporate world, I finally got to feel what it was like uh, to be on that other side. And um, earlier, about a few months ago, um, it was pretty incredible. Charlie um, reunited me with a man who was the mascots in my hometown in West Texas. And he was actually the same guy that was playing him at the time where I was just, you know, at, at that age. And, you know, it, it was pretty surreal for him to meet me all grown up and now being where I am in my mascot career. Um, so, awesome. you know, those relationships are important. And, you know, I built a relationship with a, with a young fan. Um, she, uh, she, came, she comes to every game. And, you know, she was, at first, she wanted nothing to do with me at first like you know but then the second game came around and she watched from a distance like she would just watch everybody come up hug me take pictures high fives she would watch and then you know every game she would get a little closer maybe a little closer and then the final game of the year you know she she wasn't you know all over me per se but she was you know able to you know, take a picture with me. Um, so hopefully I get to see her uh, next season. And, uh, you know, sometimes I do develop relationships with even some of the adult fans. Like uh, I remember after my first game, um, there was, uh, so every game they pull a fan out of the crowd, mostly every time a kid. And they basically try to kick a goal and I try to block it. And so basically how it goes is that I blocked the first one and then just let them make the second one. So it was my first game. And obviously I'm just getting used to everything. And so when the, the, the fan that they pulled out of the crowd was this girl around, I think she was like maybe like middle school age. Um, and uh, I'm psyching myself up to really, you know, catch that ball. She gives, and she was a soccer player. So she gives it a big kick. And I'm thinking, oh, hell no, I'm getting out of the way. <laughs> so I just jump out of the way when I'm supposed to block the ball. And everybody's just like, kick, what are you doing? Like, you're not supposed to, you're supposed to catch the ball. So, and then uh, we had a watch party, you know, and then we, we actually met each other. I met her and her family and they're like, oh my God, that was you? Like, yeah. So it's, it's pretty amazing the kinds of relationships you can build uh, with your fans special it's really special there there's times now where it's it's been so the phantoms left and i'll reference the phantoms a lot because that's where i got my main start that's where i did a majority of my work um i'm still in the business i'm still doing a lot of things locally but my greatest times ever in this business were with the phantoms so a lot of times i reference that but there's fans now like last week i did a parade as the barbara bear i was 45 minutes from my house i was in a small town that i don't really know too well um, we were doing a parade there. We were sponsoring it. We had a couple cars in it. We had a couple beauty queens in it. And I was walking the parade. And as I was walking the parade, somebody knew who I was because the Barbera Bear's out there a little bit. People know that I perform as him. Um, one of the moms from the side yelled my name. And she yelled, hey, Mike. And 
you know, I broke character for a second because I looked over and I was like, who is this? And when I went over, it was one of the moms who her son was nine years old when I was flexing the Phantoms and he was with her. And they, it was just so cool that like they still remember you. You still have that relationship with them. I mean, when the Phantoms left in 2009, I spent, so I spent seven, eight, maybe nine years there in total, like when it all came down to it. Because even when I was with Trenton, we did a lot of things there as well. Um, so when you spend that long there and that many games there, the last game of the season, the last regular season game, I wrote a letter to the fans and I typed it up and I had it on a nice letterhead. And when I went to think how many I was going to print because I wanted my handler and myself to go around the arena that game. And I was just going to go say thank you to all the people who really made memories in my life and really a part of, you know, me maturing and me becoming who I was as a mask guy and a person and all that stuff. And I, I printed a hundred letters and by the second period, I had to go print a hundred more. And, and certain people still have them letters. I actually had a fan not that long ago send it to me on Facebook and was like, remember this? And when I reread it, it was perfect. The main topic of it was we're a family. And on Friday nights, because the Phantoms had every every home, they had a game every Friday night. So nor, during the season, I knew we had every Friday night. And we had most Sundays too. We played mostly Fridays and mostly Sundays at home with a few other games spread in throughout the week. But they were our main nights. So every Friday night during the hockey season, I knew where I was. And and. That was like wrote in the letter and it was basically, it wasn't a game. It was more like a family reunion every night. Now, yeah, there would be times when the arena had 10,000 people in it. Um, Christ, sometimes we had 15,000 people in it, but I always knew where then 1,000 were, you know, spread out throughout the arena. I always knew where um, certain fans were. We had a fan on the spectrum who became Little Flex. Um, great kid. Now, Little Flex is now 21, 22 years old. I had a beer with him two years ago. Crazy. He started when he was seven years old with me. And his mom and dad were great people. And he came into games and he was a lot like you guys. And he, he fell in love with the character and the mascot and the entertainment. And he, he was on the spectrum. Um, but each game, he got more comfortable. And guess what? By the second season, he had his own costume. I started taking him on appearances with me. The kid would show up and we would do appearances together. Right. He came to an all-star game with me. It was, it was unbelievable. He, wow. he loved it. He became, he, and he became little flex. Like everybody knew him as little flex. I'd be up in the stands doing this. And I'd look on the other side of the arena and he'd be doing this. It was, <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was just, but that goes to show you the power of what like making people happy can do, right? Like making people smile. It all comes down to just, it's a certain power that we have when we're in that costume. Like I said, it's like therapy. It's like, like Superman, you know, when Superman does this and he becomes Superman, like it's for the movie and it's iconic, but in the same way, it's the same thing we all do, you know, no matter what the last piece of equipment you put on for your costume. And most of it is our head or putting on the hands, whatever kind of, but whenever you do that or whenever you're in your van or your room or the bathroom that they put you in for appearances, God forbid, right. Put me in a public bathroom to get changed. Stop. But we've all been there. Um, but when you come out of that room or you come out of that van or you come out of your locker room, you know, like it's showtime. It's ready. To, it's time ready to go. And like I said, there's always eyes on you. So it's always, uh, I never left, I never left an appearance or a game or, or really any time in costume upset. I always left thinking about that one special moment or that one special face or that one little kid or that one picture or that one autograph or, or something like that. And I always try to carry that over. I always try taking an extra minute at the end of the night and remembering that. That's absolutely incredible, man. Charlie, Irvin, you guys got any uh, experiences with some fans? Wow, that that is that's incredible, man. Um, I mean, when I was, you know, 
when I was boomer, um, a lot of a lot of tensions came up to me that I that I would I, I thought in my life that I would never be in in the in the AHL because um, I grew up as a kid watching the Falcons. You know, the Falcons were 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 my childhood. Then you know, then going to the locker room where uh, screech, screech get changed was was really cool at that time. Then few few years later i was a boomer at the time and you know it feels it feels pretty cool to be now a mascot that you you've been wanting to be in the in the ahl organization now knowing these guys and knowing knowing a, a little bit about your fans you know and um yeah it's it's a lot of fun yes i'm saying i remember i had this one this one kid alexis and her dad um thank Victor, I mean, he, may he rest, rest in peace. Um, every time, um, I um, upper Chucky to bed, she would cry. Every time, she would cry. I put Chucky to bed, and like every time, she she was that one kid. Um, Joseph, you 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 may have this this kid that loves Chucky so much. You know, show up at another kid's birthday party just to hang out with Chucky. And she was that kid, but I made such a great um, relationship with her and her dad um, that, like, he literally took me to, like, the Super Bowl kickoff parties uh, one year when it was in Miami. He, he got me he, he, as a thank you. Um, but that's everything I, I've, I've done is with smiles. Um, Lakers heat tickets. Christmas Day. He was like, he was like, hey, I can't, I, I cannot go. Um, I, I want you to have these. Nice. So nice. So, and like, of course, I would say this now as a disclaimer: I would never um ask for anything um for free. Uh, if it coming and say, say, hey, can you get me into the game for free? I would not ask. Um, I'll, like, I would rather do something in return. Um. To help them, like, like you did that for me. Thank you. I'll be a, I'll be a plant for you. When it comes to mascot, mascot performer, do mascot performer. I'll be a plant. Um, but that relationship I had with with um, Victor, it was, it became a friendship. So, um, you know, I will not forget. I will not forget him. I will not forget the memories I had with him of him coming with with his daughter. Um, just us hanging out. So, and you do create those friendships with um your regulars or season ticket holders. It reminded me. You just reminded me of um when probably. Let me. I can figure it out now. So, it would have been two thousand nine. So two thousand nine, right when the fans were about getting ready to leave town, and we all knew it at the at the beginning of that season. Um. My daughter, I have twin daughters at home. I have twin daughters and I have twin sons. I have two sets of twins, which is a crazy story. It's for another time. Um, but when my twin daughters would be getting born, all the season ticket holders, like we're well aware of it. At that time, I was already married for a bunch of years, five years. We got married in 2005. I actually had the colder cup in my wedding, which was unbelievable. Um, but my daughters were being born and all the season ticket holders found out somehow. And when they were born, they all found So literally the next game after they were born, I had a car. It was like this wedding shower. They all brought me gifts and, and made things for the kids. And if you're not, if like, you're not, don't feel like you're part of a family at that point. Like 
Literally, I went home and had to unload my car with nothing but gifts from season ticket holders. Therefore, for my daughters who they never met, my wife who was at games a lot, but they didn't really know her. Like, you know, I mean, they just knew that I was Flex's wife and Flex is my car. That's his wife. So that's how well it can go as far as like being part of the family. Like, that's what it is. It really is. When you have your regulars, no matter what sport it is, you're part of the family. You you watch like kids grow up with you. You know, they, they, and that's what I think a lot of parents really appreciate is how you treat their kids when they're five, six, seven, eight years old. And then even when they're 13 years old, you still kind of be like, come on, you're not, you're not too old for that. Get over here and get in our picture with me. Like you become part of their extended family. Players come and go. Minor league fans are very, how to put this. They're very particular. They're very, they get, they're set in their ways. Minor league, a lot of good hardcore minor league fans don't necessarily care for the professional teams in their area. They like the minor league fans. They like the access they have. They like the promotions that go on. But they they can know everything about every player, their hometown, their favorite candy, their fiance's name, their girlfriend's name, their car they drive. They know everything about these players. But players come and go. In minor leagues, you don't want a player to be there for more than four or five years. If they're there for more than five years, that's not good usually, right? The mascots are always there. And, and the fans that are there for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, usually if you look at a minor league fan group and, and their base, they buy tickets as a newly couple, newly married couple with young kids. And they stay until their kids usually go to college. And usually once their kids leave college, they're, they either give the tickets to the college kids so they can come with their buddies or they don't renew their season ticket plans anymore. But you have that time frame. And during that time frame, you become they're Friday nights. You become their going to the movies. You become their Mickey Mouse. You become their everything, you know. And it's it, it, there's nothing like it says it's part of family. And then literally, when I left home, when I left that game with a car full of presents from people who I barely knew, I knew them, but they didn't know my kids. They didn't know my wife. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool moment. Well, um, you know, my father always taught me to remain humble. And I just want to say how grateful I am for my team and the opportunity that they gave me. Because right, right before I got the job with them, um, I was ready to quit. I was ready to walk away, uh, especially after an incident on Martin Luther King Day, um, which I will not get into, but um, it was something that um, was very traumatizing and, um, just made me want to quit mascotting, uh, for good, just find a regular job and just, you know, go to college and continue on with my life. Um, but, um, they gave me the opportunity in a lifetime. And before my first game, uh, I asked them, would you like it if I keep my, if I kept my identity secret? And they said, that is up to you. It is your choice. Um, now, I know most mascots, it's the cardinal sin, and it's usually um, important to keep your identity a secret, and I understand why. But for me, it's about giving back for me. It's not just going out and, you know, saying, hey, this is what I do, you know, I'm so important. No, it's, it's not about, it's, it's nothing has to do with ego. It is simply about giving back, um, because every single night... I hear those cheers every single time I go out on that field and they just give me every single thing that they have. They give me love and I give them it to them right back and uh, getting to meet fans 
has been the most rewarding part of this whole journey so far. Um, you know, through this team, um, I actually met fans outside the arena. You know, I got to meet them and, and just tell them thank you. Thank you. Uh, and then, you know, I, I would meet, you know, fans at the restaurant. I would, even my Uber driver, like you, even my Uber driver, you know, was, was a fan. So it's not so much about ego or just, you know, uh, attention. It is simply about giving back and saying thank you to the people that have changed my life forever. Because I, as the primary performer and, and the first primary performer of this character, I've been given such a responsibility with him uh, that people would associate me with him. And he's literally my baby. So I, I love him a lot because he's, he's changed my whole entire, my whole entire life. And I, I, I want to repay them so much, you know, for giving me the opportunity of a lifetime. Um, but um, speaking of things that are important to mascots, Charlie, you're very familiar with this, um, you know, keeping, um, you know, get, getting ready for game day and just keeping our bodies, you know, um, in good health and, you know, fitness, that sort of thing. Can you get into that a little bit? So I think you know, just asking Michael is, what is like your game day ritual? What is your, it's, it's, about, it's, it's about to be the season of your toughest time. And when we know when one of the seasons is, is that you are going on right now. You are part of an entertainment department for a major sports team. So how do you prepare yourself for these triple digit weathers. Yeah, and, like like fitness and conditioning and things like yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, when I was full time, I was in much better physical shape. Um, when I was flex, when I was doing flex, and you know, even a little bit after them, when I did flex, I was doing three hundred fifty to four hundred appearances a year. So I was in the costume at least every day, if not two or three times a day. Um, it was hot. It was sweaty. You had nothing better to do but to be in shape. Um, I'm still in pretty good physical shape, even though I might have a few extra pounds on me. But the main thing is, and, and what you guys both said is 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 true. I don't think, and I, I don't think I I don't I know you couldn't just find you couldn't go to the gym, right? Go to the gym and try to find somebody that's working out and somebody that looks like they're in really good shape and has bulging muscles and they're running on a treadmill or they're lifting weights, and tell them, okay, we got a game. You're going to be on the field for the next two and a half to three hours. All right. You'll get breaks here and there, but let's go. You're putting on this wool, wool costume with, you know, everything covered. You're not going to have any skin exposed. The sun's on the field or, you know, wherever you're at, it's hundred degrees right now in costume. It's even going to be more and you're going to get a break like every 20 minutes to go get some water, but you're going to need to take pictures. You're going to need to walk a lot. You're going to need to perform. Um, they might play some silly song that they want you to dance to. So all that stuff. So if you take anybody that's in the gym, somebody that looks like they're in really good shape and tell them to do that, I don't think 90% of them will be able to make it. Honestly, don't. Not for what we do on a regular basis, on, on game days or on appearances. It's something that you condition for. It's something that you get used to. It's something you have to love. It's something you have to prepare for. Um, obviously, 
in the in the teams I work for, we have huge water gallons, and we make sure we some games we've actually gone through a whole five gallon thing, one of them water coolers. Um, in some certain games in in July and game in days like this, um, if there's a double header, especially, you know, so kind of lends you to what what sport I'm talking about. But yeah, there are times when we drink so much, and and you have to be careful. You don't want to be a knucklehead and 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 think you're too tough. And look, we've all done it. I've done it. I have teammates that know it i have younger guys who just graduated college i've been out of college for quite some time now but we have some guys on on our entertainment team that were in college last year the year before and we would have some games on sunday afternoons and they would come in you would take one look at them and be like oh it's gonna be a bad day for you you gotta be prepared you gotta you gotta make sure you're you're not going out the night before and you can go out and have a couple pops in this net but you're not getting crazy the night before you gotta drink a lot of water and hydrating starts the day before or even the day before that. Um, if you get up Sunday morning, and you think, all right, the game's at seven o'clock tonight. I'll just drink water all day. You're already a day behind. You know, you, you want to drink as much water as possible. Nothing carbureted. Um, same as the players. You want to you want to eat right. You, you, listen, players for whatever team, whatever they're, they're playing shifts. If it's hockey, they're playing shifts. If it's baseball, they're playing innings. They get to go in the dugout. If it's football, they play every 30 seconds and then get another 30 seconds off. Mascots can be stuck on a dugout or mascots can be stuck in the crowd. Mascots can be stuck in an autograph line sometimes for prepare for 20 minutes. And sometimes, you know, that 20 minutes might become a half hour, 40 minutes. So you better be able to do it. I've prided myself on, now I came close recently. I did come close recently at a parade, but I've prided myself on never um, passing out or falling down or fainting in front of anybody. Now there have been times when, Christ, I've gotten through them double doors or through a hallway that I knew was secure and, and fell down and a couple of times ripped my head off when I knew that it was secure. And there might have been a security member there, too. And, yeah, I don't necessarily always want them to see me either, but they're behind the scenes. I kind of look at them as behind the house. They shouldn't say anything. Anyway. It's not like they're taking pictures. But there have been times I've been real close. Um, there was a parade not that long ago, and I was the Barbera Bear. And we were one. Of, we were like fourth in line on the parade. But the first people were – it was Memorial Day or Veterans Day. It was one of them, one of the holidays. But they had some old soldiers um, and, and they were going up and they were going to do a couple of songs on their bagpipes and their, you know, their musicians and all that stuff. Well, it was scorching hot that day and there was no shade anywhere. And where the performers area was, was in the middle of town. So there's buildings everywhere. Now I'm third in line. I got to go right after these guys, but they're performing. And instead of one song, they decided, that they decided to perform four songs. And this was at the end of the parade. I've already walked a mile and a half in costume. I've already been in costume now for two straight hours because, you know, you know, if you do parades, you got to line up a little bit earlier. You get out there, you shake hands with all the kids before. Anyway, I was in costume for like two straight hours. And now it's, I'm waiting for these guys to finish their songs. So I go up to a cop and there was a cop, a female officer, and she was in the air conditioning in her car. And I kind of banged on her window. She rolled down the window. I could feel the air coming out for a minute. And I was like, listen, can I get in the back seat for a minute? And she looked at me like, huh? What are you talking about? I was like, it's really hot. I'm about to go down. Because of security purposes or whatever reasons, she couldn't let me. Luckily, there was an ambulance and an EMT like right near there, so they let me. And then I was able to cool off for a quick minute just to get some air. But you come close, man. You, like I said, I don't think anybody can do it. It's something you have to get conditioned to. Um, drink a lot of water. I, I'm a big Gatorade guy. I drink a lot of Gatorade. I know I probably drink too much Gatorade because of the salt. But water and Gatorade and, and just bananas, fruit, and keeping yourself hydrated and healthy. You know, Try not to do the wrong things. You definitely don't want to. You definitely don't want to be drinking before a game. You definitely don't want to go out for a big dinner before a game. Um, you know, you can do that stuff after the games, but but try to stay yourself. Try to be as mobile as possible. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
mm -hmm. second Joseph. He yeah. talked about his parade and how, how he felt like he was, he was going to go down. I was like, I had that one incident where I felt like I was going to go down. It was 07, FAU, just one conference for the very first time during the holiday, holiday parade. And they were like, you can take the, uh, you can walk it or you can just be on a thing and just wave. And I was like, no, this is our first time ever winning conference in a power in one of the power conferences. I'm saying, um, it was a Sunbelt conference, so I decided to walk it. I was like, I'm just like, I want to be with the fans. I want to give high fives. I want to let's like, for a book with tone. Hey, we finally have a football team with the conference championship, so let's celebrate this. And it was ending like, oh my god, I need to take this head off. Like, I made sure I was already past the grandstands, and there was not a lot of like people, spectators on the sides. And I just took it off. I was like, like, for like, I was like, and thank God, like, I went to Olympic Heights High School, was my high school, and West Boca High School just opened that year, and that year, I'm gonna say like a few years in. So everyone that was at Olympic with me and up going to West Boca. We're at West Boca, so they, the, the, the band parents like, hey, Charlie, need some water? I'm like, yes. And they they, they were like, they, they got me water right away. I was like, then I caught up with um, uh, FAU again, and and we got back to the, the, the truck. That's a, it's a great question. And what you just said, too, and what I was just mentioning, and I know I talked to a bunch of other mascots, a bunch of professional, a couple NFL guys, a couple NBA guys, and – the common theme when I'm hearing all this now is praise. Praise can be praise can be tough sometimes, especially if you're walking a parade, you know, because we're not used to the to the pattern of it. We're not used to how long we have to be standing in some spot. You know, we're we're mobile. We like to be moving all the time. Sometimes in a parade, you're told you have to just stay in this spot for however long it is. So praise can be tough. Praise can also be great, but praise can be tough. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. Um... So I've done uh, a mascot that is outside. I'm not going to say who uh, for obvious reasons. Um, but uh, I have done a mascot that is in the outside stadium environment. And, um, you know, definitely going from indoor to outdoor uh, is definitely quite the transition to make. Um, and <laughs> so... I have to drink, you know, like uh, maybe like seven, eight bottles of water, you know, before the uh, before the game. And, you know, I have this uh, electrolyte formula that I put in my water that keeps my electrolytes going. Um, you know, I do it before and after the game so I can uh, feel, um, you know, refreshed after the game as well um, and hydrated. Uh, of course, I go to the gym, you know, uh, every week um to keep my body conditioned uh for those environments um you know, i just you know, put the importance out there um especially those um who are do outdoor environments uh to always keep your body in shape and just to uh you know prepare yourself keep yourself hydrated for those and then um you know of course i do have some cooling devices that i use um I have this, uh, this neck fan, uh, that I use and it has three levels. So it goes from low, medium to high, and I'll just put it, 
um, around my neck, under my mask. Uh, and then I also have this thing where <laughs> I dunk it in water and uh, I just um, shake it a few times and then I put it over my head, it cools for two hours. Uh, and then I had this thing called a freeze it where I just put it in the refrigerator and then I can just put it around either the top or back of my neck uh, and it would work. Uh, very well. So I have things that I do use uh, to keep myself cool. And, you know, my, um, my assistants, they do a fantastic job of, you know, um, reading the signals and working with me and, you know, keeping me hydrated as much as I need. So, and they do feed me a meal before every game, which is great. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just part of those things of taking care of your body um, being responsible with it uh, that's important about being a mascot um charlie i, I know you can attest to that mm -hmm. yes um so Irvin, do you have any questions like or any thoughts about this topic um like how do you keep yourself um cold, uh, yeah cool. yeah uh, i drink a lot of water uh, a lot of water. Um, I normally have a big fan. Um, and my like, and my other team, we have um, we have an air conditioner, but it doesn't really work that well. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. But um, um, yeah, dr I drink a lot of water. You know, I like before and after is good. Um, I mean, I I do keep myself hydrated a lot when I'm in costume and in shape too. But, um, but yeah. Joseph, something else you said there was really important too. Um, I don't know how important people think it is, but it's super important when you look back. You said your assistants, your assistant knows how to read the signs and your assistant knows when they give you some extra time or what you're, you're only, when you're doing a, a, a team, usually you, hopefully you have the same assistant or one or two assistants that you always have. You're only as good as your assistant. Sometimes, you know, your, your assistant can be, you become a team so much better. You can become so much a better mascot. If your assistant is somebody that's almost a mascot in training, or maybe your backup, or maybe a mascot for another team or somebody that has that personality because they become your eyes and your ears and they can become the attraction. I know for, for a couple of teams I work for, there's one team in particular that we rotate. And occasionally there's one of us in costume and one of us being the assistant. And it works so much better that way because we both understand how the costume works, but we also both understand what we would want from under our assistant. So when I'm assisting sometimes, sometimes I'll be honest with you, some, some nights, especially in the summertime when it's super hot and because I know I'm pretty good at it, sometimes I'll rather assistant. Because I have a schnick that, that goes with assisting that, that's great. Like, my kid got this big wheel, this, this Batman mobile. Now, he's outgrown it. We've already passed it on to cousins and stuff like that. But when he got it, it came with this remote. And I have, I should have had it here. I have it upstairs. But it came with a remote. And as soon as I saw that remote, he doesn't even know that this Batmobile ever came with a remote. Because he never saw the remote. I took the remote and used it for, for, my, for my job. And what it is, is we get the, the mascot out there. And while people are gathering around him, and I'm, I'm the voice in the ears. Hey, guys, come on out and see whoever it is. I'll use Flex as a name. Come on out and see Flex. Flex will be out here for the next five minutes. Make sure you get your pictures with him. You know, it's a special time. Flex usually is in this area. Come on by. And you create the, the atmosphere, almost like what a what a Disney character would be great. 
But with this remote, with these certain characters, I would find a little kid and I would go up to him. I'd be like, hey, you know how to play video games? And now all of a sudden I'm part of the act. So instead of just the mascot, it's a whole whole thing. And the little kid would, you know, usually they don't talk, they shake their heads. You know, you find a five or six-year-old kid that has you try to find a kid that has a little bit of a personality. You hand them this remote. Now, anything that they hit on this remote is going to light up on the remote. And the remote's not doing anything towards the mascot. Obviously, we know that you would be surprised how many parents stop and think the remote's controlling the mascot, right? So before I hand the mascot over to the to the little kid or little girl, again, I, I'll use flex as an instance, I'll say flex. Flex, I'm putting you in control mode right now, and I'll show, and I'll hit the remote, and it'll light up any color. It doesn't matter what button I hit, right? And I say, all right, you're in control now. We're controlling you, and he'll stop, and he'll act like a statue. And the little kid will hit whatever button, and whatever button he hits, the mascot will turn around. The will dance, and then, oh, oh, you hit the wrong button. Hit another button, and he'll hit the other button. The mascot will go flat down on his belly, or like, whatever it is, you're making an interaction. So, again, with your assistant, without me doing that, then – it's still a cool thing that you're there for your for your mascot, you're the handler, you're the assistant, whatever you want to call it. But you can become so much better. Like I encourage everybody at certain times to be an assistant, to, to get out there and really see what you can do. Because every time there's been, I know there's been times in every mascot's life that you've had an assistant when you got out of costume being like, why didn't she do anything? Why didn't he do anything? Didn't they see that that person was pulling on my tail? Didn't they see that that person took five pictures and they let that other person take a picture? Like we see it all in costume because we we're learning to anticipate. We see things coming before it happens. It's part of the job. So we know I'm taking a picture here, but I already know there's a little girl over here that wants a picture and I can already see her mom getting her camera out. So I'm over here next. But as the assistant, they can already be lining everybody up and they have your eyes and your ears. They're the best tools you have as a job if you got a good assistant when i found the right assistant with the phantoms i he became my backup and he and he's he went on the mascot now and he's still mascot he's mascot for for a minor league baseball team he's mascot at all different levels too he fell in love with it and he didn't even necessarily know he was going to become my backup but he did because he was good he was a good assistant and he he knew all the right things and i was able to mold him and teach him you know i think every person that sometimes should be in a mascot costume i think they would appreciate our job so much more imagine the gm of your teams hopping in costume for a game you don't think you would get a raise after that absolutely they'd be like wow i didn't realize i knew it was a hard job but i didn't realize like all the things that you go through you know they they would they, any any higher up executive that would hop in a costume for an hour would have a whole new appreciation for what we do don't give me ideas <laughs> right <laughs> No, I was kidding. My, my, my GM is fantastic. She, uh, she was the one that hired me. She just got promoted to GM this season. And I'm absolutely just amazed at her and the amazing work that she's done for our team. You know, we, we made the playoffs for the first time in 10 years and awesome. uh, we're absolutely on a wave of momentum. And last year's uh, my first season as a pro mascot. Oh my God. It, it was so much fun. But um, anyway, uh, yeah. So Charlie, you know, you are a Zumba instructor. Uh, can you go a bit more into that and how important that is uh, with your character? So, like, like, like I said, like, I, I teach a dance fitness program. I love to dance. So, it, it's a great workout for those um, um, mascot performers. That's, I'm like, you know what? I'm not a dancer. I am not a I think I want to be more of a skit um, style mascot because I cannot dance. You know what I say? Come try a Zumba class. Try, I don't know if you guys, that one, that would help you get conditioned. 
um, for your season. And two, you can learn some new dance moves. Because I know right now, um, Irving's assistant, um, we've been going back and forth because I'm trying to help him um, because he got bit by the bug this year. And, and he loves it when I um, bring Jazz out for our video calls and just show him some things, some dance moves or ways to pump the crowd up. So, but going back to the importance of um, exercising, it is because, oh, uh, yes, I will say right now, yes, I'm also not in the best condition I was um, in college because in high school, I was in marching band, I was dancing, I was doing mascot work. But like I said, for those um, that want to make sure they um, stay conditioning and maybe pick up some new moves, go to your local gym, find yourself a Zumba class. You know, even if you don't want to go to the gym uh, and, and you have your mascot suit at your house, go to Zumba.com, Zumba.dance, and take a virtual class and wear your suit when you're taking the class. Great way to get yourself ready for the season. Another way is if you if you have a gym that is sponsored, um, your team that sponsors your team, ask ask them, hey, I want my character to come do your gym and work out for a little bit. So get two, you're killing two birds with one stone. So what, what are you doing? Wait, you're making an appearance for that for that um for, for that gym. You checked off the list because. If I'm correct, that's one thing you're supposed to be doing at least once in a while, having your character go up to your sponsors and make them happy. And two, the second checklist is you helping your health, you conditioning yourself. If your gym has if your gym has a sauna, people are gonna say I'm crazy for saying this. Wear your suit in the sauna. You don't have to do it very long time, just for like maybe like Two minutes. Where are you sitting in the sauna for two minutes? I like it. Yeah, that's definitely good. Um, so I think, uh, you know, something else, you know, I think we should talk about, you know, I know we were talking about fan interactions uh, a little bit earlier. But how about opposing fan reactions? Uh, how about, have you guys had, uh, oh, I can tell from Michael's reaction. Have you guys had any of those? You guys want to go first? Um, oh, okay. Um, this year's All Star Game. Um, it was, it was, it was our rivalries, but like this year, um, there was a lot of people that supported our team, and it was very insane. But only like a few players from like my team and some of the fans were like, "Get out of here." You're trash. You're, you. Know, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You say whatever, in my mind. But uh, um. But yeah, that's that's the one experience I can say. So I got a few. I'll I'll just keep it brief though. There was, 
flex, when I was flex, flex was sued a few times and they, none of them ever made it to trial. None of them ever made it to court. It was basically people trying to sue a company of the Philadelphia Flyers just to settle out of court or get some tickets or whatever. But the Phantoms main rival at the time was the Hershey bears. And we used to always have good crowds. Um, Hershey would always come to Philly and Philly would always go to Hershey and vice versa. And with Wilkes-Barre too, but mainly with Hershey, Hershey was a little bit better rivalry. And, uh, what I found out afterwards was there was a brother and sister in their 20s, 1920s. So they were older. It wasn't like they were young kids. Came to a game with the intent of trying to get Flex to get in trouble. Now, at the time, they I didn't realize this at the time. We found all this out later with the lawyers digging into it a little bit more. But anyway, they came to a game and they had Flex on a noose, which was not a big deal. I used to keep a little bear and, you know, I used to keep the Albany River rats and stuff like that and drag them around my... But anyway, they came, they had a hockey stick and they had flex hanging and, you know, making fun of it. No big deal. It was all in good gesture, all in good fun. And they got my attention and they were sitting on the top of one section. And uh, so when they got my attention and I went over to it and I was like, going like this, you know, whatever, man, it's got gestures. And then I would look at the crowd and the crowd would all boo. And they would look at me and I'd be like, you know, yeah. Well, I was playing into it a little bit, you know. So they had Flex on the noose and they had her sister kind of like right in front of it. So when I went to grab Flex off the noose, she kind of leaned forward and made it look like Flex hit her. Now, everybody in the stands didn't see anything like that. She didn't report anything like that. And it was all in good fun. I actually got Flex. I hugged him. And then I gave him a little kiss and gave him back. And it was all in good fun. And nobody knew anything about it. Until two days later, when I was called into the boss's office and asked about the incident. And I was like, yeah, I kind of remember that. And I told you it's kind of the same way. And he's like, all right, well, we already asked a bunch of different fans because now the lawyers are involved. And they also the same story you said. What it came down to was they they came up with this story on the because they they came out. They came clean. Eventually, they came up with the story on the way to the game that they were going to do exactly that. And when I went to grab, they had it all set up in their heads that she was going to act like flex header. Now, they either were going to try to sue the team for money or just try to sue for tickets or whatever it was. But there's one interaction that you can never forget. Like something like that, you just don't forget. Another one was hot dogs, throwing out free hot dogs, right? We used to have a hot dog gun or a t-shirt cannon and all this and that. The Spectrum where the Phantoms used to play was a really cool building. And on most games, the second level had a nice crowd in it, but on some games it didn't. So whenever it really didn't, I would go up to the second level and I'd try to throw my hot dogs that way. I threw a hot dog from the second level, no with intent in it, no, no militia, and I'm like, I just trying to throw a hot dog down to the crowd. Well, some old, some older lady didn't see it coming and it hit her glasses and supposedly broke her glasses and broke her nose. So that was another Ooh. time I got in trouble with the fans. But it happens. I mean, look, listen, there's there's characters in, in major theme parks that get sued every day, you know, because people come with what they think they're going to settle out of court and get money for it. Um, with the team I'm with now, we perform mostly in in an outfield area where honestly there's a lot of bars there's a lot of, there's a lot of drinking that goes on during the game so we're well aware of it and the security around us is well aware of it as well and we all have assistants that keep their eyes and ears on us but the security around us is even more when we're out performing because they know there's a lot of people out there who might have had one or too many drinks and we've all been there when when you see them, them 20 something year olds who were trying to just encourage each other. I'll go up and hit them. You won't hit them. You won't hit them. And all of a sudden you're hitting the back of the head from somebody you don't see coming. So sometimes the fans can be bad. Yes. 
I'm going to say, I know. Yeah, hold on, I got another one real fast, Charlie. All so right. there was, I, I just thought of this one real fast. Let me go through this one. Again, again, and you'll like this, Evan, with that. Again, with Hershey. So this is, again, I have a lot of stories against Hershey. So I was flex. I was the famous mascot. I'll even, I'll even imitate this one a little bit. I had to head up like this. So I had to head <laughs> up like this. Right? And it's the last, so the year before we won the Calder Cup. So this was 2006. Because I remember, I'll, I'll tell you this, why I remember all this, when it ties into the story. So 2005, we won the Calder Cup. We were the best team. I, I got to skate around the Calder Cup, greatest moment of my life, all that stuff. So 2006, we weren't that good. Half our team got traded away. We just weren't that good. Half the guys went up to the NHL. So it was the last game of the season. That's how I remember all this. Last game of the season, we always go out the end of the – usually I'm done by the middle of the third period. I'm usually done unless there's something post-game, like post-game jersey auction or something. But I'm usually done by like five, ten minutes left in the third period. So I can usually get my shower. Unless it's a real close game, then I'll be hanging out there to get Zamboni shooting all that. Anyway, this was the last game of the season. So I'm lined up in my hallway. And where my hallway was, unfortunately, was at, at the away team's bench, like closer to the away team than the home team. And there's a little gate there. The Spectrum used to have a gate because back when the Broad Street Bullies, the Flyers play there, players would fight in the hallway nonstop. So they actually had to put a Roy Iron gate up with a chain around it. But they didn't chain all the time, but it was there if they had to. A security guards knew it. So anyway, second period's ending. So it's not the end of the game. Second period's ending. And, and there's a minute left in the period. So I'm standing there literally like this where I could just put my head down and go out when, when the period's over. So there's like a minute left and there's a big fight on the ice. And one of their guys named Robitaille, Lewis Robitaille, I believe, was getting in a fight with one of our guys. No big deal. It's mildly cocky. It happens every game. Well, as he's coming off the shoot, he's mouthing off to some of our fans. And he's saying some things I won't repeat here. But he's saying some really bad things. And as he makes the turn, now he was their tough guy. He had like 315 penalty minutes that year. He was definitely their tough guy. I'm just representing a team. I'm, I'm flex. I'm the famous mascot. So as he makes the turn and he's out of the hallway a little bit, I say, you're a real tough guy, aren't you? <laughs> I shouldn't have said anything, but I was defending our fans because what he was saying to one of our fans, a female fan, was really uncalled for. And, and he said, well, you want something? So instead of the head coming down like this, the head went off like this. And all of a sudden, we're just punching. So I'm punching him. I'll never forget it, right? So now security's trying to come. Their trainers come and pulling him off of me. And all of a sudden, you hear the walkie. Now, now the period's over. Eee, the bell goes, I'm supposed to be on the ice doing T-shirts and whatever promotion we're doing. As I'm going on to the ice, I hear the walkie-talkie. They're like, there's a fight down in the tunnel. Oh, who's fighting? Shut the gate. It's Flex. So they're like, Flex is fighting. Who the fuck is Flex fighting? Flex ain't supposed to be fighting nobody. And all you hear on the other side of the thing is, well, he's a superhero. He can handle himself. <laughs> so whatever. So he got the, this guy. He's mad. He's waiting at the end of the hallway. He's like, wait, find me after the game. He's mad because a guy in purple tights kind of gave it to him a little bit, right? <laughs> so, he, so he's giving me the business. He's yelling at me. Meet me at the end of the game. I'll see you. So the only reason I know how this story all ties in, and it's funny, because in 2005, when we won the championship, Boyd Kane was our captain. He was on the Phantoms team that year. He went to Hershey the next year, 2006, when I got into this fight with. So 2007, he came back to the Phantoms. And when he came back, he, he let me know. He's like, that whole bus ride home, all we did was let him have it. That he got beat up by a guy. He got beat up by our team's mascot. He got by, beat up by a guy wearing purple tights. And when I went out to the end of the game, because it was the last game of the season, to say goodbye to all of our, our players. And at the time, I was really close to, to a lot of the guys. I was a lot younger. I would hang out with the team and stuff. I'm, I'm going up and pounding them all saying, have a great summer, you know, great year. And they're all just cracking up going, you got to be the craziest mascot in the league. You just fought their tough guy, like, in the tunnel. Like, what's wrong with you? I was sticking up for my teammate. I was sticking up for the fans. I got called into the boss's office that Monday because there was an incident report with everything that happened. And he he didn't even – he was he was stopping. He was like, everything I heard, you were sticking up for our fans. And what he was saying, you were the only one there that could represent us. 
So good for you. I <laughs> kind of got a pat in the back for it, but I know I'm speaking too much. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, um, so tell me this, man. All-star games with those guys yeah. in the locker room. Yeah. What, what you... So the, so the locker, like you just said it right there, in the locker room. In the locker room, you don't want to leave. The, the, after the all-star games, I think we might sign a locker room for hours, right? Just hanging out. It's the best of the best. I mean, not every team, unfortunately, sends their guys. Some teams send their costumes. But the best of the best, we were talking a little bit before the show started with some of the names that we know. And, man, it's, I look back now, sometimes in the locker room. So, on my last year, I knew it was the Phantoms were leaving town. I didn't know if I was going to catch on their AHL team or what was going to happen. I, I brought, like, I had my pass, my lanyard. I had everybody sign, like, just so many good stories and so much good brainstorming and just so much talent in them rooms. I look in the locker rooms that I sat with back then. Three or four of them guys are in the NHL now. I think one's in the NBA. Like just so much talent was in them locker rooms and so much fun. Just so I couldn't wait. Also, I was fortunate enough to go to all the all-star games when I was, when I was a member of the team, ECHL and AHL. And uh, man, I couldn't wait when my boss said he could go. Like we usually, like I said, we always play on that Friday or whatever time it was, but you all like, I flew out that night. I got my costume and I was like, I'm out. I'm going to the All-Star game. I spent as much time there as I could. I had so many great times. So many good, so many cool cities I saw too. Saw some good All-Star games. Yeah, they're fun. If you ever get a chance to go to them guys, go to them because they're a lot of fun. Even when the All-Star game came back, it was in Atlantic City a few years after the Phantoms left. And uh, I went that night, actually went for both nights. I was part of the crew again. Like they were, they were opening up the, the ropes. So like, oh, it's Mike, come on in. So I was like in the locker room hanging. And they're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, and once like, you're like, like you said earlier, like we all said earlier, it's like a family. Everybody knows. So once you realized I didn't have a lanyard on, but then they, ah, oh, that's hard. That's Mike. That's Flex. Yeah, come on, come on in. I'm looking at a picture right now. As you say that, I got an All Star Game picture. Like All Star Games are the best, man. They were absolutely the best. Yeah, working with one of the great greatest guys out there. Yeah, one of the best. Yeah. Charlie, you yeah, got any? I'll say real quick. Um, I, I know when you're talking about fan fan interaction, bad ones. Um, there's another one I want to forget. 2000, 2007, FAU was playing USF in, in, in South Florida, um, Lockhart Stadium, and me and the guy blocking the ball. Um, we were planning some things. So let's do something. Let's have, let's do a skit. A bull. I was like, you know what? Let's do a little um, bull fighting. Or lay and that kind of thing. Um, we're going to do it in a third quarter. But the thing is, it was one of the first times that FAU ever sold out, like fully sold out Lockhart Stadium and had scalpers outside the stadium. And, and a FAU fan grew beer at him. And he came back to our area. He's like, hey, we're not going to do it. If we do it, I'm actually going to hurt you. He was so mad that a fan drew beer at him. So, um, more of the story. Be 21 and drink responsibly. I can attest how many people go to games. Uh, I, I'm a little bit older now. I'm 44, so I, I started, I've been in this business now for 23 years. And I know when I was younger, I did the same stupid stuff. But I'm amazed at how many people go to sporting events and just get drunk during the whole event. And don't even, like, really pay attention to much of the event, you know? Like, it, it, it baffles me. It's, I mean, it's their choice. It's their tickets. But you're going to a game. Enjoy the game. 
So probably my one of my favorite interactions with an opposing fan. And, you know, like you said, Michael, it's all in good fun, uh, you know, when that happens. Um, so we were playing the Milwaukee Wave at home. By the way, shout out to my buddy, Brad Beach. Great guy. Um, and um, so I, I will say Milwaukee fans are some of the most passionate fans in the entire world. I, I love Milwaukee fans like the, the Admirals, Brewers, Bucks wave like they're all fantastic um so they a lot of them travel to the games like out of all the opposing teams that we saw they they had some of the biggest turnouts uh that we had as far as opposing fans went and um so they're sitting on one side of the arena and um actually my dad was in attendance for this particular game and um, he and one of the Wave fans start jawjacking back and forth. And when I'm seeing this, I'm like, oh, hell. Like, because I, I told my mom, I, I, I told my dad specifically, do not start jawjacking with the fans. And he didn't listen to me. And that's, okay. and that's exactly what he did. And um, so obviously, you know, with, with me and the Wave fans, it's all cool. You know, we're just playing around. And we were at a certain part in the game where both our teams were trading goals back and forth. Like, it, like it was a back and forth. It was really intense. And, um, you know, of course, we scored a goal. And I gave them, you know, the na 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 you know, the old thing that, that mascots do. Uh, and, um, you know, um, out in the lobby, you know, before the game, um, I was about to get them with Silly String. So usually it's a thing that I do is I will get people with silly string. Um, but then, then in the middle of us comes this guy in a San Diego Soccer's uh, hoodie. And mind you, number one, the Soccer's are the defending champions. And number two, the Soccer's weren't even playing that night. It, it was the Wave and the Sidekicks. Soccer's weren't even playing that night. So, so why are you wearing the defending champions hoodie in the middle of our game. And of course me and the wave fans were looking at him like, man, get the hell out of here. Like, you know, and so I decide as soon as he turns his back, that is when I get him with the silly string. And, um, uh, <laughs> so he, uh, he looked a little visibly upset, but at the same time, he, you know, he's kind of laughing a little bit, but he kind of was a little bit visibly, visibly upset. And apparently he tried to go to the arena security or I guess somebody to, you know, try and report me. And of course, I guess the arena security told him the same exact thing. Like get the hell out of my face. Like, like it, it's, it's silly string. It's not like he hurt you. Like something to easily clean up. It, it's not like I hit him in the face with a, with a pie or something like No, like it's just silly string. It's easy to clean up. Like I only do things, you know, um with you know things like cake and things like that when i do what when i have a plant because obviously you know sometimes we'll have plants that we'll put in uh you know to act as an opposing fan then we'll do something with them um and then uh i had this uh florida tropics fan uh it, it was only a solo guy only a solo and he was the only guy there he was he was in full out tropics uniform he had the scarf the hat the shirt everything 
And so they had Kit going around um, giving out autographs and handing out schedules and things like that, you know, out to the fans, you know, just as collectibles. And I get to the, our, that side of the arena where the, and, I, and I see the Tropics fan. And literally, it, it's so funny. He was, he was sitting behind the hard camera. So, like, every single time the Tropics would score a goal, you just see him in the background just jumping up and down like, like, like a goon, you know, <laughs> just absolutely, you know, oh, my God, he, he, he looked ridiculous. But um, I went over there, and, of course, I gave him the whole, you know, arms crossed, you know, shaking my head like, really dude like <laughs> just and i point to the other fans and they're like yeah sidekicks yeah it's like oh my god that, that was funny i i didn't get him whistles during that time i decided you know what i'm just gonna I, i'm i'm just gonna let you humiliate yourself you know because you're the only one here jumping around like a goof <laughs> every single time the tropics scored uh which we actually won that game in a shootout so that was one of the greatest nights of my life but uh anyway uh yeah so uh, now, on a bit more of a serious note, um, uh, as a corporate mascot, I've had people come in and their intention, you know, like Michael touched on earlier, was to get a reaction out of the mascot or out of the character um, with the intention of like getting something for free or getting my job or, you know, just... Um, uh, you know, trying to, uh, uh, what, what is it? I'm looking for the word. Oh yeah. The, like, 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 like get me on TMZ or something like that. Like, uh-oh, he beats up. So yeah. Uh, and, and now, uh, I, the one particular incident I remember was when, um, I, it was the last show of the night, you know, it wasn't really, you know, much going on. And um, so I thought, okay, this is no biggie. And then I have, so this is still when they were doing the ticket splashes. Charlie, I'm sure you remember the ticket splash. I love um, ticket splashes. One, yeah, one yeah. three, five, and seven. Yeah, I, I love the ticket splash, but the thing was is that people would ruin it and they would try to take the tickets before I could even do it. So <laughs> they would take, so I came out and these kids started hitting and kicking me. Um, and they started chanting for tickets. Now, I was told that whenever you, um, you know, get confronted with that situation, just throw the tickets and go back to the Chucky room. Don't do anything afterwards. Just, just go straight back. <laughs> so these kids, let me tell you, they were some little, whew, they, they, they were, ooh little devils they I, I i'm not even kidding i i swear on everything that this happened they literally formed a wall okay they literally formed a wall a barrier around my door so i could not get to there that they're, they're they're literally building a wall calling donald trump literally building a wall right there it, it was like what like they're literally strategic like this like oh my god so then I'm running around frantically. I'm trying to find, you know, a an, an assistant, you know, a manager, a cast member. I'm trying to find somebody and nobody is there. Like, I'm, I literally see nobody. I see nobody at cash. 
nobody at the front. I see nobody in the kitchen. I see nobody. Like, uh, nobody in the game room. I see nobody. Like, uh, like, I'm thinking to myself, where is everybody? So then I'm literally like, and while this is going on, and this is what really pissed me off. Like, you had about 10 or 11, 12 parents filming, just, just, just filming this whole thing, trying to get a reaction out of me. Like, they were getting me to try to hit them. They, 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 they wanted me to hit them so badly. And, you know, and, and they, they wanted my job. It's, and let me tell you, if you are somebody like that and you listen to this podcast, you're banned. Hear me? You're banned. Okay. You don't come in and you don't try to get our jobs. You don't try and antagonize us when we're just trying to make you smile. We're trying to give you a good time. Okay. I cannot stand when people do that. And literally that was one of the only nights I literally almost blacked out or passed out in my costume. Like my heart was racing at such a beat because I had these parents filming, these kids hitting, kicking, chanting for tickets, nobody helping me out. I can't find anybody. I'm like, I, I got nowhere to go. The kids are blocking my way wherever I try to escape to. It was madness. And I say, Joseph. Yeah. Joseph. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, all these parents, uh, all these, um, we're going to say, all these participants or spectators that are filming this stuff, um, they don't realizing that if if one put one showing it and they all have the same things, that could bite them in the butt um, later on because um, who will get in trouble? The parents, not the kids. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where you need an assistant, no matter like what I know, I know the story you're talking about and all that, but no matter where you're at, you need an assistant. You need somebody there to be able to be like, it's time for a break. He's got to go in, get out of the way. You know what I mean? Like people don't realize how important a mascot can be for a company, but also if one thing bad happens, it's not always the mascot's fault. Like in an instance like that, if, if it wasn't you in costume and, and say you called out sick that day and it was just an hourly employee, they put in a costume and he didn't want to be in a costume anyway. And that happens. What, what's yeah. going to be their reaction? They're going to push over a kid, or they're going to flip off a kid. They're going to, you know, just barrel themselves into that room. Like companies really need to be careful who they put in costume. Sometimes, you know, it's it's really important. Or make sure everybody always has an assistant. You know, it's not that hard to take somebody off the floor for fifteen minutes and make sure you have somebody that has your eyes and ears and has your back all the time. Yeah, and I say you talk about um, corporate mascotting. And you have had a big list of of doing doing some of them, like from like new stations to gas stations. Yep. So, so I don't know. I don't really know how I fell into all them. Like honestly, when I told the story a little bit earlier, when I was with the Titans and I met that one guy, and he had a company. That's really how it all started. And listen, he moved to Vermont, like years ago and, and he has another friend that took over the company but all the contacts i made throughout that time they just called me up after a while and we're like listen we got this call we got this event we got this we got that i've done and i can name some of them i've done a company called wawa which you guys i'm sure who know um, yeah i've done yep, wawa. A company called tasty cake yeah, you know 
Tasty Cakes are, are a Philadelphia-based company, but they're all around. Um, NBC 10, I do the Barbera Bear now. Um, so mm. many others. I've done the New Jersey Aquarium. Wow. I've done their Christmas shows. Like so I said, the the for a bunch of places. Wow. What was that? Done the turkey for uh, NBC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was actually on um, yeah. a couple things for like mascots for a cure. We made like the world record on that. So the funniest thing about that is I was in the turkey costume or the peacock. It's a peacock costume. Peacock. peacock. Yeah. Um, somebody, somebody in Melbourne, Australia saw me while I was in that costume and I was performing in Philadelphia. It was the craziest thing. I have a cousin over there and I don't know if she was the one that told me. Somebody was over there and when they came back and it wasn't her. I did have a cousin over there. Um, Somebody came back and they said they were pumping gas and they saw me and you had a gas station had the little TVs. It was yeah. because we were trying to do the um, mascots for a cure. We were trying to do like the world's largest uh, dancing at the same time. And because NBC 10 costume was filming it, they obviously concentrated on me. And yeah, that was me in character. I was, they don't use that costume enough. I should still be doing that, but they, they wow. kind of put that costume in the, in the shelf right now. They haven't been using it. Oh, I did a lot of things. Right now. I've done a lot. Yeah, of that's, that's sick. You should. Corporate, they, 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 they are fun. Corporate companies can be fun to work for. Um, usually you're, you're setting out by yourself. So you usually, you know, I would, I would take a couple of hours and, and have one of my friends help me, you know, take some of my pants. Wawa was a big one. Wawa was a big one. Wawa was huge, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I worked very well. The, the guy who actually took over the other guy's company who I was talking about, the old company was called Organized Chaos, which was a great name for a mascot company. Organized Chaos. What a, what a sweet name. But um. My buddy who took over that company, I still work with him now in a few different realms. Um, he's the one that has the Wawa contract, and he has Wally's all up and down the East Coast. He's actually looking for some more because they're expanding again. They're going to keep expanding, so he's always looking for some good help. No, that's so cool. Yeah. I like Wawa's. Yeah. yeah. It's not the easiest costume to wear. Um, obviously, them guys have gotten more used to it. I wore it for, for a couple of years there. I was doing a lot of Wally appearances, but, man, it hurts your back because it's one of them costumes that straps around. And goes up this high, and you actually you're only seeing out like his neck. So yeah. it's it's top heavy. It's like with um, Jeffy the Giraffe, right? Yeah, it's, it's very very similar. Yep, same kind of costume. Yeah. Okay, I would say, yeah. Michael. Yes. I I have a surprise for you right now. Um, because when we met, you couldn't really meet him. So. <laughs> Who are you gonna be wearing? You got you got Chaz coming out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what up, Chaz? <laughs> hey, Mike. Wait, wait. Where am I? I disappeared. I disappeared. What happened? What up, Chaz? <laughs> there we go. Yep. There he is. There you go, Chaz. So, <laughs> I know. I would have gone with Charlie and go, go see you when you came down, but... <laughs> it was a spur-of-the-moment trip. It was a pleasure to meet you and just to hang out with you. That's a cool-looking costume. That costume's got to get hot. I am. How many times? How many times? Yeah, yeah, I like the shirt too. It goes well with the shirt. shirt. We'll have to go. up here for a parade. If you're ever <laughs> up in the Philadelphia area, we'll bring you to the showroom and get some pictures. So, oh. what's the what's the one question you guys get every appearance, and we all hate it? What's the one thing that they always say to us? You always have some fan come up to you and say, "Is it hot in there?" Yeah, right? is it hot yep. in that thing? Is it hot in there? Of course, it's hot in there. You're sweating. You're in your t-shirt and shorts. I'm in a wool costume. Of course, it's hot in there. Mm-hmm. You guys, um, let me ask you. I know all you guys are all pretty young at this, and and I love talking to you guys about this stuff. How many of you have done? Have any of you done hospital visits? You ever done them before? Um, I actually, I actually worked with a hospital 
Um, I do Fezzi from Shriners. I, uh, Shri- I've been to Shriners a bunch of times. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, they can be very, very rewarding. They can also be very, very challenging. But yeah. I like around the holidays. I always try to do a couple hospital visits and, and yeah, I do. I bring everything do, back down to earth. Yeah, I sometimes do Fezzi. Um, I, cool. I go up to the Shriners uh, location in Springfield and I help out uh, Fezzi be Fezzi nice. for the hospital yeah, stuff. Nice. Yeah, they always they always <laughs> like bring everything back down to you know what the Mike, world really means. Yeah, Michael, you should definitely contact your local Shriners and see if you can do Fezzi because that'll be a good one for your resume. So they they had Shriners has their own costumes now. It's called Fezzi. Yeah, they they do. Yes, they have okay. um, Fezzi the Bear. That they okay, yeah, their mascot. I'll definitely yeah. look into that. Yeah, yeah. cool. Write that down. Cool. That's a good idea. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thank. I think we're near the hour and 10 minute mark. So wow. for those who are listening, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, because as you can tell, we're all about um, educating, inspiring um, the next generation. So I want to ask Michael this. This is, I know, like, I don't want you to think I'm trying to take it away from him. Um, but I'll let him ask that question, his signature question. But what would you say to yourself? I say now, yourself now, where in the time machine to yourself when you first began mascoting? What would you say to him? So what would you say to a brand new um, performer? First time shooting so, up head, first time shooting up. So I, I don't know much what I would say. I think we talked about that in this. Like always have fun, always take a second. And, and for all you guys do that, always take a second in any appearance, especially look, if you guys are performing for teams and I know a couple, you know, performing in appearances is cool. Parades are cool. Being a part of a team, there's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than winning a championship and, and being a part of a team. So always take that extra second and just admire the crowd, admire your atmosphere and my, like and appreciate what you're doing, you know, just, just appreciate it. I know at the end of every season, I always took like an extra couple seconds, either on the ice or on the field and, and just looked around, just appreciate it, you know, just appreciate it. As far as, me being my age now and going back and saying, like, would I have changed anything? Advice. Advice-wise. What advice would you give yourself, your uh, younger self? See, I, I don't I don't have many regrets. Like, I did almost everything I wanted to do. I, I grew up being a huge Philadelphia Flyers fan. I grew up being a huge Philadelphia Phillies fan. I feel yeah. so fortunate that I I performed for the Flyers. I still perform for the Flyers. Um I worked for them for many years and I'm still on their payroll in a way. I still perform a Santa Claus from during all the holiday games and all the Christmas games. Um, yes, I've had opportunities to go other places and, and I could have left town and I did for a brief time here and there. Um, I could have been in LA. I could have been in Atlanta. I could have been in other places. I had a lot of opportunities. I'm very fortunate that I've been able to do what I do and I'm still able to do it in the city I grew up in, in, in the city I, I love in the city of Philadelphia where and that's honestly, rare. excuse me, I said that's rare to be able to do your It's very rare. It's very, rare. very rare. Most of the people town. I work with come from other places. It's very rare. And listen, Philadelphia is no 
Midwest town, we're tough. We're a hard sports group and they will let you know it. And I've been booed before. <laughs> you know what? It's kind of a, it's kind of an honor to be booed in front of the Philadelphia crowd at times. I, I fell once my skate actually broke. And when my skate, the, the blade broke and I didn't know it, but when I fell, everybody booed me and I was pissed. I was, what are you booing me for? I give you everything for this job, but my skate broke. So by the time my next game and I was out there skating again, I know it was all, it, I would have booed too, you know? Advice for anybody growing up into this business, just just love it. You gotta love it. You know, you gotta love it. Well, Mike, take, take some advice from what I said, and then when you put on that costume, when you put on that final piece to the costume, take all your worries away for a while. You know, whether it's a half hour appearance, an hour appearance, whatever it is, become that character, become that, become that person. Don't let anything else that's bothering you in the world bother you during that time, and put smiles on kids' faces. You know, like I said, there's always, always, always somebody watching you for the first time somebody well, watching you for the first time every time well michael i have my own uh question for you and charlie i know i close it out with this question almost every single time and, and you know what and that's no problem because how about them cowboys <laughs> no i'm just kidding i'm, I'm kidding I'm, I'm kidding i i i had to i had to i had to but um uh, it, it's okay. My my grandfather has seen every single Cowboys season since the '60s. So, uh, and my and my dad got to see a few '90s Cowboys Super Bowls, and I'm a lifetime Cowboys fan. But anyway, um, so my real question for you is: if you could say one thing to your family, your friends, your fans, the organizations, the companies you've worked for, and just everybody that has followed you on your path. Uh, in your career up to this point, uh, what would you say? It's a great question. Um, thank you. Really, honestly, right? Without them, nothing happens. You know, like without the fans, there's no, there's no us. Who's going to watch a mascot by yourself? You can put up a mirror and perform for yourself. That's going to be fun for about five minutes, right? The fans make it all worth it. And for my lifestyle, like I've been, I, I'm a teacher. I'm a middle school teacher, but. My lifestyle for the past 23 years has been, I tell people I get paid to be a goofball. You know, I get paid to make people laugh. I get made to make people happy. You know, what's one of the coolest things sometimes, and, and it goes back to the same things we've all been saying. I, I post a lot on Facebook and the reason I, I post positive stuff, I post all my appearances and I post where I'm going to be at. And I post different parades and different events and pictures and stuff. And I always have a couple people. And I love reading the comments and sometimes the comments aren't always nice. You know, sometimes you have bad people out there who looks like the back, but I still read them because they, they help keep you grounded. But there's always a few people out there. Almost every time I post something to say, look how many people you made smile today. Look how many people you made happy today. And that's honestly why I do it. You know, I, I love doing it. I know I'm good at it. I, you can't be doing it for this long and not be good at it. Can't have a resume like I have and not be good at it. It's something I'm, I'm gifted at. Uh, I'm lucky that I found what I was probably born to do. Um, but thank you. Thank you to all the people who've helped me get there and helped me do this path. And there's a lot of sacrifices too. There's a lot of sacrifices when you know, like every weekend you're going to be working, you know, with, with this business, you work just about every weekend because that's the events. But um, I've been fortunate. I've been real fortunate and real lucky. And look, I'm not retiring anytime soon. I still got, I still got a lot of years left in me. This really is what dreams are made of. And thank you to the fans and thank you to all of those who have followed us uh, on our journeys thus far uh, here in the mascot industry. And thank you for following us here on our podcast and 
the mascot support group. But uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap it up here as we uh, approach uh, you know a lot of the hour mark. Uh, we want to thank our special guest, Michael Hart, for joining us and uh, hope to invite you back to the podcast here in the near future. Um, and of course, a big thank you to my co-host, my two best friends in the world, uh, Charlie and Irvin. And of course, thank you to our viewers for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure if you're listening on YouTube, do a few things. Make sure you hit that bell for all notifications and you will get this furry fuzzy adventure in your subscription box first. Make sure you hit the red subscribe button if you aren't already. Make sure you hit the like button. It does help the YouTube algorithm. And then make sure you comment down below what you want to see, who you want to see, what do you want us to talk about? Give us your thoughts on the show in general. Uh, just tell us what you think. If you are listening on Spotify, make sure you hit that green follow button so you can be the first to get this in your subscription box. And uh, we will plug all of our social media below as well as Michael's uh, as well. And um, we just thank you guys so much for supporting us. And uh, we hope to see you guys back again here soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. See you guys. Thank you, guys. See you guys on the next episode.